In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Stephen is not one of the original disciples. He seems to have converted after Jesus' ascension. He knows the Jewish story well, and when challenged by the religious authority, he retells the story of the patriarchs, pointing out the failings of man while highlighting the redemption of God. He starts with Abraham and the promise of hope given to him by God in the covenant. He talks of Isaac and Jacob. And then he tells the story of Joseph, reminding the religious council that the betrayal of Joseph by his brothers was an act in which man meant for evil. But what God meant for good, as Joseph became the savior of his brothers and their families. He continues the story, making the leap to Moses and a different Egypt in which the Hebrew people faced persecution. And yet again, what man meant for evil, God would mean for good as he empowered Moses to save his people and bring them into a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. He talks of Joshua and David and Solomon, and finally he calls out that religious authority who has been questioning him for their opposition to the Holy Spirit. He tells them that they are a stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now that was a real insult at this time. He said that they were persecuting prophets and had betrayed the righteous one. Those words enraged the religious authority who were listening and the other people who were there at that council. But it is not until Stephen becomes filled with the Holy Spirit and has a vision of God and Jesus standing at God's right hand that the crowd then will turn violent, that they will cover their ears and they will kill him. That is where we drop into the story today. Stephen's words and actions have caused anger and dissent to those who have witnessed them. They don't like what he has to say. But it is his vision of God that flips the switch. That is too much for them. That is what causes them to rush him drag him out of the city, stone him to death. The vision of God. Stephen has looked up and he has seen in the heavens God with Jesus at his right hand, and he has pointed that out to the religious authority, to the believers, and it has spurned them to violence. Yet the one who possesses that vision, Stephen, he is at peace. He prays for the Lord to receive his spirit. And then he prays that the Lord would forgive those who stone him. 
His prayer is not wrapped up in their actions. He doesn't ask God to make them stop. Instead, Stephen lifts them up, understanding that their sin is a rejection of God. And he asks God to reconcile them to himself. That though they might reject Stephen, God would not reject them. It is not what Stephen does that gets him killed. It is his faith. It is his belief. And it is not what the enraged crowd does that is their sin. It is their rejection of faith, their lack of belief, the inability to accept that God has been doing a new thing through Jesus Christ, through the disciples, even through Stephen. That's the hard thing about a life grounded in God. We honor the past, the traditions we have held so dear, even as we look to the future, the new things that God is always doing. It's challenging because it does not line up with what the world tells us, what our culture of prosperity and accomplishment seed in us. We are taught to believe that to be a success, we must make straight A's in school. We must get that big promotion at work. We must build something that will immortalize us. That our worth is tied only to our achievements. And that those achievements must be enough, even though they rarely are. We know that truth, that truth that our achievements are never enough. They might satisfy us for a moment, but the feeling doesn't last. Our hunger to be more, to do more, never seems to be satiated for long. In our gospel reading, Philip thinks that if he just sees the Father, he will be satisfied. But he won't. Jesus knows this. He points out the fact that Philip has been seeing the Father through the presence of the Son all of this time, and yet he still hasn't seen him. Philip still does not know. Philip yearns for that one and done action or accomplishment that will bring all of his longings and hopes to fruition. But Jesus knows that even if Philip were to see Jesus and see him as God and understand him as God, that he still would not be satisfied for long. Not because seeing God won't be fulfilling, but because the grand design is not created to ever become static. Creation is always about becoming. One need only look outside and see the green shoots of new life pushing up from under the ground, or hear the buzz of bees as they return to their tasks of pollinating plants, or watch the hummingbirds as they make their annual trek northward. Creation, life, 
continues to move forward. It is consistent, but it is not static. Somehow we've gotten a false sense of belief that life is about satiating our appetites and accomplishing something concrete that makes our lives meaningful and worthwhile. That is the talk of prosperity gospel, not the good news of Jesus Christ. The ultimate goal for Jesus will be to lose everything, and in so doing, he will gain all. He didn't die with the most toys or build some great stock portfolio. His focus was not on developing property, but on nurturing people. His job description wasn't mergers and acquisitions to grow a financial empire. Instead, he went about the work of partnering with us, you and me and all of the world, to build up the kingdom of God. His death, resurrection, and ascension didn't define the completion of that kingdom. It was about giving us the tools of hope, the courage to continue to do that work because it is an ongoing process. Creation is always about becoming, never ending. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazes into the heavens and he sees God and Jesus and it is a Trinitarian moment. But the power of that moment is not simply that this man might have such a vision. It is the reminder that God is present among us, alive and well and partnering with us to continue the work of resurrection and renewal in the building up of God's kingdom. And we still get to do that work. This past year, we partnered together with God and one another here at the Church of the Ascension to raise over $2 million to support capital improvements for our campus, not to just make us look good, but to seed the initiatives for ministry that will continue to grow God's kingdom. We discerned our call to resurrection and renewal at Ascension. We began to see three aspects of that call that we hear in our gospel today, the way, the truth, and the life. And though I don't think anyone had a heavenly vision in that strategic team, but maybe so, Glenn or Mary Lee might be able to tell me, we did discern the power of the Spirit there. And that work was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ascension Day School inspired us as the opportunity for our little ones to travel the way as we work to form a foundation of love and relationship with children and families that continues to grow with boundless energy. We hear the truth and the music and song of our choir each week as they fill us with that spirit of worship and inspiration. And while Joshua House has existed along the periphery of our campus, it connects us to the life of our community through our outreach interests, including our feeding ministries, our scouting programs, AA, our hospitality ministries. The way, the truth, and the life has been our call to partner with God and one another in the building up of God's kingdom. It is our path 
It is not a final destination. It is a way of our becoming, of our growing. Thomas verbalizes that ultimate concern that we all possess. Jesus, how can we know the way to heaven? And Jesus responds not in some futuristic tense because heaven is not a place that we aspire to. It's not something we're doing here so we can get someplace there. Heaven, Jesus tells us, is in the present. It is the way, the truth, and the life because it is right here. It is in the right now. And if we live the way that Jesus lives, then we do not have to worry about finding our way to the kingdom of heaven because we will be living in the kingdom of heaven. What Thomas doubts, what Stephen dies for, what Philip struggles with is that the way and the truth and the life is not defined by our acquisitions or accomplishments. It is defined by our growth. What we do as individuals or as a church cannot be static because the very nature of God is always broadening, always reaching out, always enveloping us more and more. That great expansiveness of love That is the creation of God. And that is who we are created to be when we are created in God's image. The great expansiveness of love. Our faithful response is to release our resistance to change. To stop holding on so tightly and allow ourselves to accept that maybe there is more to a life in Christ than satiating our own desires, whatever those might be. This capital project that we have commenced upon together, the way, the truth, and the life, it is about renewal and relationship because it is focused on growth, not grounded in achievement. We will not finish these improvements in our campus and then walk away and pat ourselves on the back They will be invitations, invitations to knowing the Spirit, invitations for our community and our relationship to grow together as one. We will make the improvements to our campus in order to continue the work of building up the kingdom because that is what God has called us to do. God is always calling us into greater witness and ministry for the Lord. The story from the Acts of the Apostles that we read today might end with Stephen's death, but truly that is just a beginning. Stephen's death will set off a chain reaction in which many of the newly faithful will have to flee from Jerusalem as Saul, who will later become Paul, increases the persecutions of those followers of the way. That diaspora, when the believers disperse into areas near and far, will serve to spread the gospel throughout Africa and Europe and Asia and eventually the whole world. Stephen's death is not a one and done. It is not an accomplishment. It is not an ending. It is the flame that grows and continues to grow even today. 
That is our true work as Jesus followers, spreading the good news, living into a life focused on growing God, not satiating our own desires. It is the work of each and every one of our lifetimes. It does not end. We will never complete or accomplish this work because it is relational and creative. And those things are not finite. We are asked to walk a path, the way, the truth, and the life that is loyal to the future, serious about the past, and always, always, ever growing into that expansive love of God. Amen.